He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. Not the hook today, this Friday. We switched it around this week um, because we have a very special guest joining us today. He is a writer for Bleacher Report. He wrote a book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. And he does weekly shows on the call-in app. Jake Fisher, how you doing, buddy? How, just, just, just generally speaking, like, have you have you been able to just kind of woo saw at any point this summer? Yeah, um, we're slowing down now. Um, I was on a little mini vacation post Vegas, hanging mm-hmm. out in the city for a couple of weeks. I had to Europe mid August. We're, we're doing okay, man. How are you? You know, all of that sounds amazing. Uh, I unfortunately cannot do any of that woo-sawing as I have a toddler and I have another baby on the way. So (laughs) none of of that. uh, Europe, I'm going to be very jealous of you while you're in Europe. Um, I don't want to waste too much time here. We got to dive right into this stuff. And I kind of wanted to start here because the thing that I have found interesting over the course of this, obviously, Kevin Durant, Tells the Nets, apparently, or, or goes about in his own way, I don't want to be here for whatever reason it is. And at that moment, it seemed like there was, you know, coming off of Kyrie Irving seeking a trade, a sign and trade type of situation and, you know, threatening to leave and go sign with the Lakers for the taxpayer MLE. Uh, all of this, there was at that time, it seemed like some momentum and it seemed like only kind of a matter of time. At one point, somebody did tell me like, yeah, this is just a matter of when, when this is going to happen with Kyrie to the Lakers. And then over the last couple of weeks or so, it seems like based on stuff that I have heard, and then also really your reporting, it seems like that momentum has really crept to a standstill, if not reversed. And it seems more likely that Kyrie might, return to Brooklyn, Kevin Durant might return to Brooklyn. So one, do you think that's an accurate characteristic uh, characterization of the situation? And two, what, what happened? So all I'm really, <clears throat> excuse me, once it gets out of the way now, earlier podcast, I choked on my water and it's been, <laughs> it's been tough coming back. So we're trying our best here. Um, this is the flu game. This is the, <laughs> I mean, the flu game was I had COVID during the week of the draft. Actually, that was a uh, whole thing. Um, I think it became very clear that sometime, you know, before Kyrie opted in, he wanted to go to the Lakers. The Lakers wanted him. He was trying to get there. Seemed like he really did weigh the opportunity of opting out in Brooklyn and taking the the mid-level and going to LA. But that would have been a crazy decision financially. Mm -hmm. Didn't do it. Ops him. Still thinks there's ways to get traded there. Kyrie opted in when? Like, June 26th, three or, four like days, three or four days, where it's July 22nd. Yeah, I know it's been a month. That, <laughs> I know that, you know, there's this notion that the Nets are not going to trade Kyrie before, you know, they figure out Kevin Durant. That is, yes, in part because they want to do what they can to create a roster that hopefully Kevin Durant will just decide, I want to still play for this. 
play for this team and play with that roster. Is there a chance Durant goes back on all of this? I mean, the Nets are certainly hoping so. Yeah. And but, I mean, he, if there, if somebody would, I, I could see Durant being the person who might. Yeah, I don't want to speak on behalf of Kevin Durant. I have not spoken to Kevin Durant about this. However, mm-hmm. I will say that people I know who have worked with him, spent time with him, to always talk about his ability to change his mind. So I think Brooklyn is really hoping that he does change his mind. Having said all that, if there was a trade for Kyrie Irving out there right now that would make the Nets better, I believe, and that Kevin Durant would probably still like the outcome, I believe Brooklyn would move Kyrie Irving. But that deal clearly is not there. Yeah. I'm, that's all to say I don't think it's necessarily so ironclad tied to we don't want to touch Kyrie until we know what's going on with Kevin. If there were deals out there, because Kyrie Irving, don't get me wrong, in an alternate scenario, you know, it's just so glib to say or so you know frivolous to say, but in a world where there's no pandemic and Kyrie ends up just playing his way out in Brooklyn and plays games and, and you know, maybe even that's when a title like we're obviously not in the situation, but we're also we're obviously not in the situation where Kyrie's trade value is. I mean, Kyrie is still yeah. very and respected as a player. There's a reason Lakers fans <laughs> like yourself are going nuts trying to get him for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> but how dare you? <clears throat> we would never. <laughs> so all that is to say that, and I'll stop using that expression. I I really just don't think, and from my conversation, there doesn't seem to be any real serious traction on Kyrie to the Lakers right now, being that the only way to really do that is with Russell Westbrook. And there was a report today from Bob Kravitz with the Indiana uh, uh, chapter of the athletic talking about the Lakers, you know, not putting a second first round pick on the table for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Every team I've talked to that talked to the Lakers has repeatedly said they don't have interest in putting in a second pick. And even if they did put the second pick, I still don't know and I still don't believe that Brooklyn would do that for Kyrie. Some Lakers fans will say – It doesn't make him better. doesn't make him better. Lakers fans will say, oh, it's two first-round picks for a guy who's going to walk out the door and you don't even want anyway. Sure, but that's not how this works. This isn't 2K. There are people involved. There are executive jobs on the line. That's not to say any – I'm speaking generally about the state of the league. And like – NBA teams are really just another office with workplace culture and drama, just like yours. So, I mean, things can get blown up or they could, you know, get sewn back together. Like, I I really don't think the Nets are going to do something like that, move Kyrie in any scenario that doesn't make them better or at least keep them the same, you know, title contender. Um, And I'm sorry, Lakers fans. And people can continue to yell at me on Twitter, but – and, you know, Spurs fans were yelling at me when I said that DeJounte was going to get traded. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about with workplace politics and stuff like that. Harrison and I have never bashed heads, ever. He, he, <laughs> I'm not at all the reason he's bald now. But I, I, I want to go back to what you mentioned about, you know, teams around the league and the Lakers' disinterest, apparently, in moving that, I guess, 2029 first-rounder. And... uh Jovan Buha of The Athletic has reported and, and, and framed it in a way that had the Lakers just included that, that second first-round pick, 
back at the beginning of all of this that maybe given the momentum initially that this could have been taken care of at, at the beginning of all of this before we see that DeAndre Ayton goes back to Phoenix and that makes it tougher for them to land Kevin Durant before we find out that Toronto hasn't been interested in moving Scotty Barnes before we find out that Miami's chances at making a deal work are completely hindered by the fact that they can't include Bam. Um, have you heard at all in any instance here that the Lakers, at least in the Kyrie deal, I can understand why they would maybe hold off if it's for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, if it's for Eric Gordon, or back in back when the only first rounder that they had at their disposal, they didn't want to include that for John Wall. I, I kind of understand that, but are we to believe that they haven't ever offered that second first rounder even for Kyrie? I don't know that definitively because I haven't talked to anybody about it in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But from my original understanding is no, they have been operating with, it seems like a mandate. Not, I'm not saying that there is, but that seems like yeah. that's like the one, you know, maybe it's a negotiating tactic for now, but you know, there's, because there's certain, Oh, we're drawing the line here. Like that seems to be where the so Lakers drawing the line <laughs> yeah. on any of these talks. Yeah. So, um, I don't believe they, they've done that. And again, I don't know definitively, but from everything I've heard, I don't think it happened. And, but even still, if it did happen, I'm still not positive. And I don't think that the Nets would do that deal. I really don't. Would and, they have at ever? Like, would, would, do you think they would have ever done it? Because I think things have changed and I do think they would not there, do it now. There was talk about, oh, well, Joe Harris's deal will head back and as expiring. Or, like, the Nets don't want to trade Joe Harris. Mm. Um, you know, they, I've said this on several shows today now, but, um, Sorry to not give you the exclusive. How dare but you? The Nets. Although from, on the other shows, you're telling them not to aggregate it. So this is a little different. <laughs> you can aggregate everything I'm saying here. <laughs> um, so the Nets from top front office executives to lower level coaches were talking all along throughout that playoff series against Boston that, man, if we just had Joe Harris, like, oh, Joe Harris, not just not just if Ben was healthy, like if Joe Harris was healthy, like the people in Brooklyn really were saying, mm-hmm. even if Ben didn't play and we had Joe Harris, we would have beaten Boston. So, man, I, that's a take. I, they'd move him. They'd move him for other players. I would, I, if a great deal, including Joe Harris, came on the table um, for Brooklyn, I'm sure they would consider it. But. Because there was a time when he was hurt and they didn't know if he was coming back and they thought, you know, maybe we got to move him. He's our best chip right now at last year's deadline. But, like, we're not just giving Joe Harris away. They value Joe Harris. To end that rant, like, they also, like, I don't think they want to just be a place that buys out Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And there's no one else on the Lakers roster that's, A, legally tradable, that makes the, that makes the salary even come close to Kyrie. Like, it's yeah. got to be us, and then you know, it's even to add another player, like if if Brooklyn really liked THT, for example, then you got to put in more salary from Brooklyn's side of things to match it. Like that's why I've always said, if there is even a way for Kyrie to get to the Lakers, which doesn't seem very likely at this point, it would have to be a three-team structure, and that would still be difficult because how is a team going to get properly compensated for taking on Russ, give back the Lakers something, and? St- Get get Kyrie to the Lakers and still give Brooklyn enough of a return for them to want to part with Kyrie. That seems like a very challenging proposition to me. 
especially for like, you know, you have mentioned the Spurs in the past. And I don't think Greg Popovich really wants to help the Lakers get any better. <laughs> I just think no. generally speaking, that's not that's not a stance he's willing to take. Um, the the you mentioned then it seeming unlikely that the that Kyrie Irving might be a Laker or could be a Laker. Um, we did get that report from today uh, from Ben Kravitz saying that the the Lakers deal could be picked back up again if they decide to include that second first rounder. Um, so it's not you know completely blown up. But as it stands right now, things have again stagnated for the same reason you're talking about. But that felt to me, my reading of the situation is the Lakers aren't going to include that second first rounder until they know for sure that they don't have a chance at Kyrie Irving. So, it, well, so let me just stop you there. Yeah. Look, also, just another thought about like how ironclad this really is. At the deadline, the Lakers were swearing they were not trading one pick. Mm-hmm. Us. They, and they wanted to wait until the summer when they were able to have two picks. Mm-hmm. Clearly it went from, we're not trading our one pick to now they have one pick available. So they're only given one. Like that seems to be, it's an obvious clear operating pattern. They don't want to be in a situation where they have no control of any future first round picks is what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but so, but the, the, the report today from, from Kravitz about uh, the negotiations with the Lakers regarding Buddy Heald and regarding Miles Turner uh, was that I, I didn't see that he mentioned Kendrick Nunn. I didn't see that he mentioned Taylor Horton Tucker. I know that Russell Westbrook has a trade kicker, so some of that math gets affected that way. But mm-hmm. would would the Lakers be able to get those guys? So Russ and those two first rounders for Turner and Heald without giving up Taylor Horton Tucker or Kendrick Nunn? I don't know what the package would be. Um, sorry, <laughs> that is my girlfriend calling. Uh, I was I was hoping it was like Indiana to answer the question for me. That would have been pretty great. Um, <laughs> shout out Herb Simon. Yeah. Um, uh, so I and now my camera's all screwed up. It's fine. You're, you're good. Um, you're good. So I mean, what I can say is the Pacers are definitely open to trading Miles Turner. They were trying to engage Phoenix in sign trade conversations to send Miles Turner to Phoenix in order to get DeAndre in. Pacers are not married to him whatsoever. But he healed, by all accounts, Rick Carlisle loves him. He's really happy. He had a flamethrower like him to play with in his offense. Mm-hmm. But the, the the Pacers are in a full rebuild right now. They're yeah. not trying to hold on to Buddy Hill to the last dying grasp. Yeah. Obviously, the Rob Palenka connections are there. I know the Lakers called the Pacers right after the Sabonis deal and said, hey, can we get Buddy Hill? So <laughs> – there's definitely a lot of connective tissue there. It does seem to be one of the real legitimate options on the board for the Lakers. And look, there aren't many scenarios out there that are going to be sending out Russell Westbrook and taking back a player of actual real winning value in the NBA right now. Yeah. And there's a deal that gets you two. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Miles Turner is also only 25 years old who in theory could be a real piece that could not allow not I mean obviously the 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 AD at the five has been a huge debate his entire tenure there in the Lakers but he doesn't want to play at the five I'm sure he doesn't want to be banging against you know as the league gets bigger now like it is getting bigger like I mean they they, they signed two viable centers like that that sent the signal that yeah AD doesn't see himself as a starting center yeah um, so, you know, pairing him with Miles, a rim protector, a three-point shooter, like, 
that seems like a pretty good outcome to me. I mean, any other scenario, I, don't, I mean, I think it's, you know, people have talked about rumblings. You know, I first talked about Patrick Beverly. And I know those guys can't get traded for a couple of days, which is funny. You know, I wrote or I said on a, on a podcast something like, if Donovan is traded in the aftermath of that, people are talking about the potential for the Jazz to send something mm-hmm. back to the Lakers. The Lakers like Patrick Beverly. And a lot of people were like, Oh, that can't that's obviously bullshit. Patrick Beverly can't even be traded yet. It's like people are there's it's like three ifs before that. But yeah, sure. So, uh, but I mean yeah. that seems like the one other that that seems possible. Another scenario, you know, if there's a thing with Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly. Um, but again, I think all these scenarios, especially for getting players back, every team is gonna ask for two first round picks. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the Lakers are willing to do that. But to me, as an objective observer of the marketplace, that would seem to be pretty fair value to me. And yeah. I know you want to keep a first for flexibility, but this is the twilight years of LeBron James. You just won a title two years ago. Anthony Davis went healthy. You say all along, these two guys together are unstoppable. So put your money where your mouth is. This is me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It seems fair. It seems it. fair. Essentially, it's like you're – it costs a first rounder to move a $47 million contract, even if it's expiring. And it costs a first rounder to get a or a couple useful players. That, that, that just seems like a very, that seems like it has been the market all along, but that being the case, the Lakers seem to be strident in this, in this stance. And so I guess we got to wrap up on, do you think there is a scenario that the Lakers still hold on to this, dogmatic approach to not trading that second first rounder and enter camp with Russell Westbrook on it. I laughed out loud when we got the report that Russ and LeBron and AD had spoken on the phone. That was the the funniest like report pseudo or it was an actual report that we have gotten. I, I, I was giggling like a doofus in my living room and, and Jen told me to calm down. But uh, <laughs> the Lakers are clearly trying to to present it as if, Look, we, we will. We'll go into camp with this guy on it, all to avoid not having any first-rounders at our disposal moving forward. So do you think that's a, a that can actually come to fruition? Just like Kevin Durant going back, like this is a game of chess. Mm-hmm. And if there is no other move, not a better move, if there is no other move, it's got it. It's it's absolutely in the realm of possibility. It okay. is, and I mean, you could have lied. <laughs> something could happen. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Something could happen. Just like I've been saying now, like if a team actually puts their money on the table, pushes their chips on the table, and makes you know an offer for, to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant, like that is holy shit type of offer, mm-hmm. and the Nets are going to have to think about it. If Kevin yeah. Durant says. I'm actually going to pull Ben Simmons and I'm not going to play here. Like that's going to be a, a big change in Brooklyn. There could be some, there could be things like that. There could be a team that has their own situation where they're like, all right, you know what? Maybe, like maybe, you know, the Pacers and miles turn or something happens. We're just like, we got to get rid of miles. We'll take him for one first. Of, like, you know, that type of, I, I'm just throwing out yeah. total the scenario. Unless something like that happens. I mean, Russ has been status quo in LA. All offseason, they continue to say that they're not going to stretch him. They're not going to buy him out. They want they're they're looking at Russ as a as a value asset and trying to get better by 
moving him elsewhere, not a negative asset that they have to offload, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not the way the rest of the league looks at him. And the fact that he would be traded and almost certainly bought out immediately, no one's going to really trade him at a positive value yeah. if they want him and think they can get him on a buyout at minimum anyway. So it's a really tough situation to be in. Um, and if they're not willing to take all these exit ramps that are available to them, then I just there's going to need to be a new exit ramp that we haven't discussed that hasn't come into our consciousness yet um, in order for us to not be a lake come training camp. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, I know you're really busy. I really appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us here. Uh, I, I, it's always a blast to talk to you, man. I, I, I look forward to more of your work. Again, you can find it at Bleacher Report. You can listen to him talk on the get, uh, the, the call-in app. Make sure you check out his book, which is still on Amazon right now, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. That is a fantastic book, and it's really interesting to watch the league through that prism as everybody gets ready for uh, Wimbanyana in the upcoming season. Thanks again, man. I look forward to talking to you soon. You got it, man. Take care.